Hello and welcome to the podcast, UFOWarning.com. If you haven't been by the site, stop by and check it out, UFOWarning.com. Today's uh, case is an interesting one, and what I really like about it is that it's so straightforward. Uh, there's no missing time. There's no um, contradiction of what people saw. It's just a witness's account of what happened. He puts it out there, and you can believe it or not believe it. And um, it's a really fun uh, short read. I posted a link online, and I would encourage you to go check it out because uh, some of these older cases that go way back into the early 1900s are fun to read. It's fun to uh, get uh, insight into the people that actually experienced the phenomenon. This stuff all happened before uh, jet airplanes, uh, before man went to the moon, before a lot of things happened. So you get um, just a very clear, unadulterated uh, view of the event, and there's no need to worry about how, uh, say, a movie might have impacted a person's perception of what they actually saw. Now, this case happened uh, near Mount Pleasant, Iowa, back on June 3rd of 1920. Uh, the experiencer's name was Clark Lynch, and we can assume he's long since passed away. He was a young man at the time when this happened, and this would have been nearly 100 years ago. Now, the reason that we have such a good record of it was because uh, a local newspaper that's located about uh, 25, 30 miles east of there in a town called Burlington, Iowa, the Burlington Hawkeye, did a report on Mr. Lynch's sighting as he related to them uh, nearly 55 years later, 1973. <clears throat> now, according to Mr. Lynch, he could remember um, the date specifically, because it was his birthday, and also because uh, he had gotten married in January of that year, back in 1920. Now, he tells the paper that uh, he had been working on his uh, dad's farm about six miles uh, northeast of Mount Pleasant, I believe it was. No, northwest. And he was uh, sitting there along the banks of the Skunk River. Now, this is a river that flows uh, clear up from central Iowa, north west central Iowa, uh, down through the state, and eventually dumps into the uh, Mississippi. And it's, you know, even at that time was known for uh, good fishing, and undoubtedly uh, Mr. Lynch was there, maybe trying to catch some catfish or whatever. I can just see him there on the bank of the river with his cane pole fishing in 1920. He said he'd taken the afternoon off of work from working with his dad uh, and his dad's farm. Now remember, this is 1920. People were still using... Uh, big draft horses. Uh, so this was way before uh, a lot of the modern inventions that we have around today. I think there were uh, steam engines were around uh, for harvesting wheat and that, and maybe some gas uh, engines were around, but the normal way that farmers farmed back then was with horsepower. At any rate, Mr. Lynch was sitting there on the bank of the Skunk River, enjoying the afternoon with his fishing rod. And he says that he looked down over the side of the river about 15 feet away and about 15 feet below where he was at, uh, in the grass area near the river, he notices a round egg-shaped object just come appearing there, basically. And he said, he describes it as uh, blue light and being lucent. And he describes the size of it as about the size of a cream can. Now, for those of you that don't know what a cream can is, back in the 1920s, clear up until probably the 50s and 60s, whenever the government decided that people couldn't uh, raise their own uh, milk and sell it anymore without 
all the pasteurization of that. Farmers commonly kept uh, milk cows around. They'd go out and milk the cows every day, and they would put the milk, and when they transported it in town to sell it, they'd put it into a metal can. And that metal can was typically about knee high, and I'm not sure what the gallons on that, probably 15 gallons or so, maybe a little more, a little bit less. But it would be about a cylinder can, which would have come up to about your knee, so maybe a couple foot tall, a little bit more, a little bit less, depending on the size of the can. So that's how Mr. Lynch described the size of the object. And it was a fairly cylindrical shape, but more or less egg-shaped. And it emitted a translucent blue light. Well, he did what a lot of people, I suppose, would have done. He just sat there. He chose to sit there and observe it. And he watched this uh, object um, just sit there and and uh, hoover over the grass. He couldn't tell what it was doing, but he had no desire to get close to it. He says he watched it for about 15 minutes, and then it uh, just zipped away, bolted away at a high rate of speed, just, and then disappeared. And he pointed out to the uh, reporter, he says that he was glad that... Um, he didn't go near it because I think he's quoted as saying that thing could have killed me. Uh, it was his idea that when that thing left, it was such a high rate of speed that if he'd been standing over it, uh, that could have been curtains for him because uh, an object at that speed uh, hitting somebody uh, is, is going to probably cause um, terminal damage. And Mr. Lynch um, goes on to point out that he didn't know uh, what the object was. You know, he didn't, he's, he just says that he was certain, though, that it wasn't of this world. And I like that. He's not trying to speculate on where it was, where it came from. He just tells the reporter what he saw, and, and, and that's the end of that. And you have to think about, you know, the, the Wright brothers had only flown the airplane about 18 years before this happened. So this is 1920. Uh, cars are just, becoming, are just becoming popular. It's a different world. And... It would have had to have been a really strange thing for Mr. Lynch to have been sitting there and just to see this UFO appear and then bolt off into the distance. It's not even like it went into space. It's just like it it sped away and disappeared at the same time. When I look at these cases, I wonder sometimes if some of the UFOs that people are seeing aren't probes. It almost seems like they're being sent here from... Uh, another planet, another dimension, whatever. But it's it's not a probe in the sense that we would send a probe. Like uh, recently the Japanese uh, placed the two probes on the, uh, on the meteors that were flying past Earth. And, you know, you think of a physical item uh, being rocketed out of space's atmosphere, travels through space, and then physically lands on this uh, meteor and takes pictures and sends them back. But so many of the probes that we see uh, that come to Earth that we can't identify, it, they have a much more ethereal quality about them. It's like they suddenly appear. It's just like Mr. Lynch looks over and boom, here's this, here's this object there. And uh, they act, in a probe, act like a probe in, in a manner that they don't seem interested in the people that are around them. They don't seem to care about the people that are around them. It's the, we have multiple cases where people have touched these probes and ended up with burn marks or end up with radiation poisoning or whatever. So they don't seem to be interested in the human factor. It's as if they're here to gather information and then leave. And 
at the same time, though, when they leave, they're not leaving in the way that we would see a probe leave if we'd sent it somewhere. They're not physically, you know, generally rising up off the planet and darting back into space somewhere. It's almost like they're going through another dimension. Lots of times they change shapes. Lots of times they change collars or become completely different things, just like when we talked about the, the uh, uh, UFO that was spotted in Finland where it shows up as an orb and turns into uh, some sort of a spaceship and people are making uh, observations and collections. We don't really know if this thing is, is uh, what it is because it's changing shapes constantly. With, with Mr. Lynch's uh, sighting here, we don't really see the object changing sh shapes, but we see the object phasing in and out. It's almost as if it's phasing in and out of time or phasing in and out of another dimension. So the question we're left with is, um, if these things are interdimensional, are they from some other multiverse, say, where they're just coming into our particular reality and then phasing back out? Or could they actually be from... Uh, the future, maybe, where someone's sending these things back to our time uh, to do some sort of observation. Or is there a bigger picture that, that we haven't even approached yet? Are they some kind of uh, interdimensional being? A lot of questions that we have, a lot more questions than answers, that's for sure. But it's fun to come back and look at some of these historical uh, observations, like with uh, Clark Lynch here in 1920 in Mount Pleasant, Iowa, where the guy simply says, hey, I was out fishing. I looked over, and there was this egg-shaped uh, object that was emitting a very strange translucent blue light, and then it disappeared after about 15 minutes. These are the kind of sci almost scientific observations that we can use when we're building our database, uh, basically, uh, uh, the UFO phenomena, to uh, compare uh, how, how they act and to compare um, what happens. So... Like I said, I have a link to the article uh, listed on the website, ufowarning.com. I would say go on there, check it out. It's a very clean-cut report, and it's worth reading. That's it for today. Over and out, ufowarning.com.